Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. This is episode number 40 of the live show on YouTube. Uh, we talked about building confidence in your deer hunting skills. Uh, we also had a good news story that uh, I think everybody's going to learn a little bit from and took some questions at the end. So it was a really good episode. You guys are going to enjoy it. No ad reads. Just make sure you go over to the YouTube channel before the echo. Hit the subscribe button. Um, go over to Hunt and Beast. Watch our videos over there. And I think you guys would uh, really enjoy all the content over there. So uh, with that, thanks everybody for all the support. We just hit 10,000 subscribers on YouTube and the platforms that uh, are audio only, like your Spotify and Apple, that stuff's really growing also. So can't thank you guys enough. All right, enough of that. Let's get right into the episode. Hey, everybody. Hey. Welcome back. What is on your sh- what's on your shirt, Dan? I'm just now seeing this. Oh, it's my uh new uh hamburger shirt, hamburger cat shirt. It's a sweatshirt, nice. sweat jacket. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I didn't mean to have the camera go that far down. Once you guys know I'm a weirdo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Actually, um, I was just, uh, editing the next video. I was just I just finished it up. So. Oh, nice. for that video. I, uh, I was also working on a video too uh, for the hunting beast. Ah, cool, cool. Just typing out scripts and whatnot. I'm sure you type out mine. <laughs> mine has a kill in it, uh, but I'll just put it at that. Um, does your do you ever type out scripts for your stuff? Like, do you ever think about what you're going to say or anything like that? Uh, like, yeah, to some degree. I usually watch the footage and I think about it and I think how it lays out and. Mm-hmm. yeah so if i'm getting like a i don't obviously my type of videos i don't script them because i'm it's kind of as i go talking and whatnot but uh if i'm putting something together like a instructional thing or something i always like type out what i how i want it to look before i i kind of like the educational aspect the theme type thing where you yeah. uh, go through something to teach people lessons i mean that's the whole premise of uh hunting beast is to um yeah people become better hunters so right yeah for sure also i don't know if people uh noticed or not but i played the wrong uh, intro video it was last week's intro video on accident so mm-hmm. hopefully uh <laughs> i don't think probably most people didn't notice there's there's only 20 people on when it started so not a big deal but um oh well you guys got the the theme music at least you had your eyes closed hopefully for the middle part there what else has been going on dan mm, been hunting out in freezing weather with my bull yeah it hasn't, been hasn't been going very well yeah i guess we'll find out in the video high. i'm getting on deer pretty quick and stuff but uh time is running out quick um so uh, you are you how much time do you get around christmas and stuff to hunt well, have- here's the thing um i got till friday and then friday they open up this massive uh 10 day or nine day doe season called the holiday yeah. and we're gonna have a lot of snow and they're just gonna massacre them mm. and uh it's a shame because uh at this time of the year we've already got deer shedding you know and uh, um a high percentage of the deer the does shot our uh, shed bucks 
uh, I've had uh, a biologist quote me as high as 11%. Yeah. I'm sure that varies based on the winter, you know, on how it's going. If it gets real cold and icy, I've seen them shed earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know people who've shot shed antler bucks during our normal gun deer season, you know, Thanksgiving week. You know, mm-hmm. um, doe season this time puts a lot of those deer at risk. It also, uh, the uh, there's a real high percentage of button bucks that get shot in it because yeah, they, sure. uh, because they, uh, they're the most vulnerable deer. They're just walking around stupid because they just got kicked out from mom during the rut. They're, they're on their own for the first time and they're wandering around. They want to run in daylight. I mean, when you sit in a stand, um, bow hunting, that's what comes by you the most often at this time of the year, because they're just out wandering, trying to find their place or their home, you know? Right. Um, yeah. I mean, right. some stats show that, uh, more bucks get shot during the holiday hunt than does, but they certainly don't want people to know that. Right. Yeah. I don't think you should be able to shoot um, antlerless deer from about December 15th on in Wisconsin. Yeah. Just because of those stats. Yeah. Well, because of the deer shedding. I just don't think right. you should. Yeah. I mean, most of the time, like bow hunting, I mean, a good hunter can tell. Right. But not everybody's a good hunter. I mean, a lot of people think they are, and they, they shoot quick and stuff. And, oh, I didn't know I shot a button buck. I shot a shed buck. And I've seen it happen to yeah. experienced guys. I mean, I was with uh, um, Dave, um, uh, my friend who passed away, um, on a on a hunt. Um, and I believe it was Thanksgiving weekend. It was during gun season. And uh, we had just had an ice storm and a whole bunch of deer shed. And he wanted to shoot a big doe. And uh, I remember telling him, hey, the deer are shedding. He kind of laughed. Ah, they don't shed this early kind of thing. And what do you know? That day after I warned him, he shot a shed antler buck. Yeah. Pretty big one. It was one that we had been watching. We're pretty sure it was one of the ones we were watching, you know, and and hunting. And uh, he ended up killing it. And uh, it it had already shed. Start looking for sheds then. Try yeah. to find the both sides. <laughs> the trouble is his farm was so small they always shed off of the farm. Yeah, you know? sure. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't know. It's supposed to get cold here. It's like on uh, the 23rd, the high of six degrees here, which is cold here. That's pretty cold. Yeah, um, it was um, in, in the, the low teens when I went hunting tonight. Mm. Yep. Yeah, when I go, I'm going to probably going to Illinois after the first of the year and I'm, it'll be cold there too. And, uh, I haven't hunted much in the cold weather this year. I'm kind of, I don't know if I'm dreading it or if I'm looking forward to it. Um, uh, anyway, I'm going to get uh, this stuff cause we're going up to the UP. Yep. Yep. We'll probably have a little more in-depth conversation about that later on on a different episode, but, uh, yeah, you guys will be cold up there probably. Yeah. <laughs> probably sure as the sun will rise, it'll be cold up there, but. That's going to be cool. I'll bring the sunshine with me. Yeah, there you go. The sunshine with you and bring a big buck back with you. Hopefully. What's your what's your standards going to be when you go up there, you think? Uh, I, I might uh, lower them down to, you know, like good racked animals. You know, yeah. uh, uh, I think... Uh, You know, a real good two-year-old might get it. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. I got two buck tags, and Eric's got two buck tags, and 
and uh, we're bringing another crew with us. So mm-hmm. we can we can get into that on in a different show too. Yep. Yeah, it Just, sounds like you have plenty of plenty of draggers, so mm-hmm. might as well shoot one. Well, uh, before we get into our topic today, uh, which is building confidence while deer hunting, uh, we have a news story uh, for this show, and it's uh, actually. Um, I don't know if it's a proper news story or not, but something happened to one of the hunting beast members. And um, we thought it was interesting and very probably educational for people because it could happen to any of us uh, out there hunting. Uh, and uh, Troy Kingsbury is going to hop on with us and kind of tell us a story about something that he's been dealing with the last week, <laughs> which doesn't seem very fun. But hey, Troy, how's it going? How you guys doing? Good. How are you doing, Troy? Not too bad. Thank you, man. man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, no problem. So, uh, Troy had an accident, uh, after he shot a doe, right? Troy. Yep. Um, involving a knife in his leg. (laughs) You want to take, you want to take it from there? Yeah. So, uh, it was December 3rd. It was downpouring. It was windy. So I said, Hey, I was going to go hunting. So I went across the road and so I go up to the pines and everything, kick a whole bunch of deer up and got into the acorns and acorn trees and everything and so they made a big circle back to a stone quarry and like seeing them they drop over the bank there and so i it's like all right so i cut around walked down the logging road and i caught up to him and, and the doe was probably 80 to 100 yards away and i shot she dropped and i get up to her and i'm a decent sized doe and so i get everything take my bag off put my gun against the tree grab a knife out and I'm on a hill on a slant like this. And so she's on her back. I put her leg around my left leg and her right leg around my right side and everything. And so, you know, like you usually cut a deer, you pull the top up and you go underneath the, the hide there. And well, the skin got caught on my edge of my knife. So I give it force. I went like that. And my knife stuck me right at my kneecap. And I knew it was bad. It was air. Like all I heard was air. And I'm like, oh, so I stood up, pulled my pants down, and I could see like my meat, meat muscle, everything, and blood just started. Did the knife go in? It was about two inches, and uh, so I stood up, pulled my pants down, seeing the blood and everything. I'm like, oh boy, and I started like freaking out, and I was like, oh. So I pulled my pants back up, and I knew where I was, and I started like panicking, and I had nothing to tie it down. And I was like, oh crap! I remember I have an old dog leash that I just dragged a deer out with. I tied it around my leg and start walking I had to climb up over a log and I sat down and I got all lightheaded and everything and I was like, I gotta call someone so I called the wife and say can you meet me at the road I just stabbed myself and the blood just pouring down my leg and she's like no I'm like yeah I'm being for real meet me at the road so she met me at the road and we sent it to the hospital and it was pretty bad I called my parents my mom's like, you gotta call 9 you're probably gonna get airlifted out I was like no just take me to the hospital I'm all right <laughs> so you have to tourniquet it yeah, I put I tied a I tied the dog leash around my leg, and uh, I had to make a little handle on it because I couldn't bend my leg because it hurt so bad. And when I was just dragging my leg, and uh, got to the hospital there, and they when they pulled my pants, they pulled my lawn johns and pants all off. You could just see the muscle stuck on the side of my lawn johns. It was pretty nasty, and blood was just pouring out. And, yeah, uh, yeah. There were you some had, pretty graphic pictures, but I don't think we can put them on the, um, yeah. the site because we'll get demonetized. Yeah, there were some pretty bad ones, uh, and but this one isn't too bad. Uh, sorry, I should warn everybody if you're squeamish or anything. <laughs> this one isn't bad, nice. but uh, 
yeah this doesn't do it justice though some of the motor pictures you had were pretty rough i yes. kind of i'm like golly how far how far of a walk out did you have whenever it was you about did? a mile mile and a half all together uh, i walked it was like a three miles i just walked pretty much what deer did is a circle kept on circling so all together on the uh on x hunt there it was about three mile walk that day but from the stone quarry where it happened it was about a mile walk up and over hills and stuff like that but yeah what did the doctors have to say about it? did they like did they say anything about like how much blood you lost or how oh, they didn't say anything about the blood or anything uh like i was like all worried about me getting sent away how to go in surgery and stuff like that and so uh like they wrapped wrapped it up for about an hour i was they left the bandage on it and, and then they came back and he stitched it up in the corner there to get this blood to stop and then he wrapped it in again for another 20 minutes and then they gave me a tetanus shot a whole bunch of stuff and, and they flushed it all out and then uh, there was a Monday. It was on. It was the that Monday. I uh, being stubborn, I went down to the store. I drove, and my leg swelled back up, so I had to go back to the emergency room and everything like that. And so I went back down. They thought I was infected, so I had to go see a doctor about four, about twenty minutes away from my house. And they wanted to do surgery and stuff like that. And they didn't think I had, to, they thought the knife communicated with my knee when they thought the joint fluid was all out, stuff like that. And uh, so they stuck in like a needle, 16 gauge needle in my knee to try to get fluid out and they couldn't get fluid out. So they sent me for an MRI and it was a whole bunch of stuff and then uh, went back and then they took the stitches out. Now I'm fighting with it, swelling back up, not bleeding a little bit. It's just never, like never going to come to an end, it seems like. Just <laughs> pocket in there that keeps filling up with blood or something yeah it's a little blood pocket keeps filling up every time i aggravate it and they want to cut it out yeah well, you might want to like oh <laughs> 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 uh, no dude it's like something i'm very conscious of because uh, whenever i'm getting a deer or something like where my legs are because i've heard so many stories of, of guys doing that whenever yeah. you're in a hurry or whatever you know uh we had mr james on this podcast a long time ago now and he he had uh, something happen to a friend of his uh, the hunt guide or something uh where he was cleaning an animal in the field and shoved the knife through a artery um and they ended up we having to made it a lot out. yeah yeah like yeah but he was he they were like in alaska in a remote area not necessarily you know in new york there but <laughs> not that you could get pretty remote in New York or really anywhere. You could get, yeah. you could get remote enough anywhere where you'd be in trouble if you did something to an artery. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you sever the femoral artery, I mean, that's almost like a heart shot. I mean, you don't have to worry yeah. about anything. You're going to, you're not going to make it very long, but uh, you can do a lot of damage with other arteries and blood vessels and stuff. And yeah, uh, it happens yeah. fast when it happens. Oh, I bet. Um, anyway, well, we're glad you're okay, man. I just, we wanted mm -hmm. to get you on here and uh, just so people can be, it's interesting. And also just so people can think kind of twice when they're doing something with a, uh, with a knife. I, I mentioned it in my Ohio video. I, I like decided to leave the buck overnight and a lot of people were complaining about that, but I just, when you're by yourself and I was, you know, a mile and a half in, I'm like, I'm going to do something stupid and hurt yeah. myself back here. And, um, it was mostly just, I was thinking about stuff like that happening. So, um, anyway, all right, man. Uh, we'll let you hop off here before you go though. Do you want to pitch anything you got going on? 
don't have anything nope. going on. Not much. <laughs> what about what, what about your page that you uh, oh, you sent me? You guys, can follow my uh, hunting page on Facebook, Instagram. It's called New York uh, Whitetail Edge. Yeah, I put it in the description for you too, so people right, can go check you. that out. And Troy, I appreciate you getting on, man. And right. I uh, hopefully get healed up and go shoot you one. Yeah, appreciate for having me on. Oh, I had one more question. Did you get the doe? Oh, oh my brother what? and my father went up there to get it, and the coyotes got it. And oh, I got a, man. I got a little bit of meat off it, but not much. Well, I have to go get you another one. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> All right, man. Take her easy. Right, I appreciate it. Bye. Thanks for having me. You know, um, yeah, I bet you a lot of people could tell you horror stories. I always try to push a knife away from me. And you know what? Yeah. You know what's important is that a guy uses a sharp knife. That I might just sound say that. Um, yeah. But actually, uh, a sharp knife is less dangerous than a dull one because a dull one, what happens is from pushing is what makes you, you know, it gets stuck yeah. and it slips, you know? Yeah. And then you get yeah, yourself yeah. Where, you know, fine blade you can just slice and go slow you know right yeah oh yeah it's like if troy if he you know if his knife would have been hey, i don't know if it was sharp or not but if it if you know if he would have been sharp he may have just cut through that spot he was stuck on instead of having to shove it through it you know mm-hmm. um yeah and if there's some knives like if you're not good at sharpening knives like that havilon knife and those things they get they can you know you have to replace the blades pretty often but they can be pretty sharp um yeah i don't like replacing the blade on mine yeah no that that's the downfall in things i gotta i just take my needle nose on my uh multi-tool and break them off which sucks you know then you got a freaking broken knife blade but Mm -hmm. uh, you got to deal with but uh or just learn how to sharpen a knife but most good knives fixed blades they stay sharp pretty long i've been Uh, been using um gerber knives and they've been uh doing pretty good for me because they hold an edge for a while uh, yep. whereas like it's like not a million dollar knife but it uh, yeah. works well i think i get like uh, a couple years out of one before it's too dull but you can you can resharpen them yeah for sure yep i carry a little stone it's like it's tiny with me that you can sharpen them up if you need I've to i've never done good with stones i, I do okay with like oh, really? the, the insert type sharpener mm-hmm. those work well for me yeah they're definitely an art art to it uh sharpening a knife and getting getting good at it but um you can actually like if you're not good at it you can actually just make them dollar and then screw up the edge and everything else but mm-hmm. um anyway oh dan we got a uh donation here we'll answer, answer this question before we get into the topic this evening Corey olson thanks man we appreciate it um he says, I'm here in the Northwest hunting blacktails. Any tips? Second archery season hunting? Not harvested deer yet. Looking for my first. I don't, yeah, know. I don't know if I don't know if you know about much about blacktails, but they're from what I've heard from guys that hunt them, they're extremely similar to whitetails. Mm. Like I've heard guys out uh out west and they're way far west, you know, that actually have like that listen to this kind of stuff to to hunt them. So, with that being yeah, said, just, uh, say you just got to stay positive and keep after them, and uh, not get stuck in a routine. I think the most common thing people do, especially beginners, is they get stuck in doing what's familiar to them, like staying in a in a routine of certain area, certain stands, things like that. 
where I think um, in order to make make changes and make things happen, you have to change things to make changes to make things happen, right? Might sound stupid, but it's true. I mean, you just got to keep moving and keep trying things and until something works, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, and I'm assuming, I, you know, I don't know what state you're in. You got to be over in California or Oregon, someplace like that. It's got cold up there. So I'm going to guess and say like the, some of the same stuff we talked about last week with late season hunting, but apply to all the, um, to apply to you guys out there as well. Uh, deer. Yeah, that, that cold stuff. I mean, like right now, there ain't a lot of deer around, but I'm finding pockets of a lot of deer. And it's yeah. through, you know, going out and looking for it. I, you know, if I just kept going to the same woodlot. I, I'd struggle, you know, and then when something goes wrong and goes south, you know, maybe you have trespassers, maybe you have some guy that thinks it's fun to pheasant hunt in circles around your stand. You mm -hmm. just, you, you don't dwell on it. You get up yeah. and you go, you know, and, uh, you got, you got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Just keep moving and trying things, you know? Yep. Yep. Anyways, thanks for the donation. And, um, with that being said, if you guys have any questions at all, just leave them in the comments and, uh, we'll, we'll answer some questions at the, the end tonight for sure. I'll also put the, um, link to get on the show in the comments when it's time to do the Q and a, uh, and also if you, uh, if you like what we're doing, make sure you hit the subscribe button and like the, the video. That's a good way to support us as well. We did reach, uh, our 10,000. I had a goal of reaching 10,000 subscribers for the end of the year. And we hit that last week or last, yeah. last weekend. So pretty cool. Um, so I was thumb thumbing around on the hunting beast form on the website and, uh, on the deer hunter, deer hunting, uh, form there's like a best of list on there. What do you call those things? Stickies or whatever they're called. Yeah. It's a sticky on that, on the deer hunting forum. And it's called the uh, all time best tactical threads, best conversations yep. about tactical deer hunting tactics. Yeah. Anyways, I was, I was trying to come up with a good topic for tonight and um, came across on that, on that uh, sticky it was about confidence in deer hunting and how to, uh, you know, how to, gain confidence because i have we have like this time of year especially if you haven't killed one people do get like it's like a almost a de depressive state this time of year trying to uh you know ring together something at the end um and confidence like we i think we've said this multiple times it's like probably like 70 or 80 percent of the the game is being confident in yourself so uh i was going to ask you dan I, I wrote down just some some points here but uh in your mind like what's a good way for someone that either is new to hunting or has had a bad streak to, to build some confidence in their skills as a deer hunter. Confidence is a funny thing. It's, it's a hard thing to work on for a guy personally, because, um, in order to get good at killing good buck, uh, you know, big bucks, um, you need confidence. And how do you get that confidence? You, you go ahead and kill big bucks. So it's kind of a catch 22, you know? Um, but some of the things you can do, that help is um, practice with your bow so you're confident with it so that you believe in yourself that it's, that you believe if a deer comes within 40 yards of you it's dead you know you got to get that kind of cocky arrogant belief and another thing is um i see a lot of people nowadays 
it wasn't really a problem when I grew up, but nowadays a lot of people grow up or start out. I shouldn't say grow up because a lot of guys start out later in life, but uh, they start out wanting to be trophy hunters, which is nothing wrong with that. I mean, everybody dreams of shooting big bucks, but if you set your goals real lofty and you don't learn how to kill deer, you're going to struggle. You're not going to know how to draw, when to draw. You're not going to know, um, you're going to hit deer bad and stuff. I, I would say the time to learn how to shoot a big buck is not when there's a big buck standing in front of you. So to build confidence, I think, um, to start out by killing deer into growing as a hunter, grow into a trophy hunter rather than trying to be, be one instantly. I, I have a friend who, um, dreamed of shooting a Boone and Crockett. And uh, I think he went 16 years without shooting a deer. What do you think happened when that big buck walked in? Yeah, he probably lost his mind or didn't know what to do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he he, he failed miserably. And I think it's because he he's not shooting deer. I mean, he's not, it's not something he's accustomed to. Um, it'd be like wanting to be a race car driver, but you're not gonna drive until they let you in NASCAR. Yeah, if they ever do, <laughs> which you're probably not, because you got no experience. But if they ever do, you're gonna fail miserably because you've never driven in there, even if you know how the car works. You know. Yeah. Um, you, you need to kill some deer to get good at killing deer, basically. Um, I think I think those are some of your your best points for uh, confidence, building confidence. Yeah, that was my number one: is just shoot, shoot more deer. Um whether that be if you need some meat for the freezer, shoot some does and um, yeah, if you're, if you want to, I don't know how big of turkey hunters people are, but try to shoot a turkey with a bow out of a blind or something like that. If you're, if you're trying to kill a deer with a bow and um, yeah, and then just practicing with a bow is super important. Um, something else that I have I, out behind my house, I got a target 3d target uh, that I, I made it real easy where I can hang my bow on my back uh, by my back door and I can just walk out and shoot a few arrows into my target every day. Just try to make it easy on yourself to, if you have to get in your barn and pull down your target and then go set it out. And then, you know, a lot of times you're not gonna, not gonna take the time to, to shoot every day or whatever, every couple of days. Um, but I, I think, I think like, uh, you know, that's one type of confidence is like being confident in, I'm going to get a shot off or get a, put a good shot on a buck when the time arises, but like to actually be confident in, um, like your sets, like I'm confident this set, I'm going to shoot one. You got any tips for, you know, for that kind of feeling for guys? Well, um, that, that's a hard one. I think, um, uh, I have to believe in my spots. Yeah. That's the thing with me personally. Um, and I think that's part of my success, but I have to have confidence in my spots. If I don't have confidence in a spot, I won't even hunt her. Just period. I'm not hunting her. I will keep walking until I find a spot that I am confident in. Um, but uh, I get that confidence by really carefully picking out the tree I'm going to sit in, really thinking about it, really you know, dialing down the area from a distance. And making sure I get in the right spot. I mean, if you if you get into a tree that like the wind's a little off and stuff, and 
then you're going to be playing this fight and this war against this deer and, and you're going to lose, you know, yeah. you got to have the wind, right. You got to have the thermals, right. You got to think about what are the thermals going to do with the wind drops. But, you know, once you learn how to pick those trees like that, your confidence is going to go up. Um, but again, I mean, until, until you see some stuff work, like, um, it's hard to tell somebody that to, to, to be confident that, I mean, when you go out there, you're questioning your abilities, even after a guy kills a few bucks, he's still questioning whether or not, you know, there was an accident. It was a fluke, you know, um, it isn't until you're doing it on a consistent basis that you really believe in yourself. And even then, um, you know, even myself, sometimes I look back and I, it's hard for me to believe what I've accomplished. It just doesn't even seem like it's happened, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Something else I think I think people really struggle with is like um, people run out of spots real quick too. You know, I think I think a lot of people they have like just a handful of spots that they really like, and a handful mm -hmm. is really not enough for deer season. You know, especially when you get later in the year if you're hunting more often this and that. So I have down here if you. Definitely yeah, both same stands over and over again, and they kill the spots and kill their hunting and kill their confidence. Yep. And all of a sudden, those five same trees you always sit, or whatever it is, areas they you start not seeing deer later on in the year because you've hunted them so much. And I think if you can like this time of year or whatever now from now till April, you know, try to try to get out there and like find five more spots for next year. So then you got ten spots instead of just five, mm -hmm. and now you got now you got some more options to jump around and find some confidence in what you're doing. And Not only that, but you should be good at, you, you, you know, like when you hear about a deer or you see a deer or you see sign, you should be able to just jump on it and not mm -hmm. worry about spots, you know, and hunt yeah. more deer than spots. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean though? Just yeah. having more areas to go find those deer, I guess. Um, I think that's a, that's a big one. That's I think people kind of probably need to put more time in from now until April, you mm. know, then you almost do. You yeah. Know, I, I can tell you, uh, for me, I see a dramatic increase in how I do, um, how many big bucks I see, how many opportunities I get based on how much I, I scout. So yep. fresh scouting, fresh spots, learning stuff have more options always does me better. I'd rather have yeah. a certain spots that there's spots I didn't get to than not enough. Yep. And I think that even correlates like more scouting. I, you kind of alluded to it when you said learning, but like if you do more scouting now, you're, you're going to get better at, uh, when you go out of state, if you go somewhere for a long weekend and mm -hmm. you're going to get better whenever you have to jump into some place right. new during season and all that kind of stuff that all, that's all builds with the confidence too because every time you hunt someplace new you learn how to hunt someplace new yep every time you scout something and you learn how deer deer move through there and where they bed and how they how they maneuver you learn something new and then when you you end up in those spots like you're alluding to you're like oh wait you know i've been in a spot like this the deer are probably going to come from there yeah yep that's, that's so true. Like you just, you just learn, um, different patterns instead of, you know, uh, 
not instead of, but, you know, judging by what you've experienced uh, from scouting or hunting different spots. So that's you know, my, that was my, my second point I had written down was more scouting. <laughs> one of my points would be, um, um, to watch who you hang with too, because I think, uh, part of confidence is hanging with confident people and, uh, hunting with people who are, you know, have a positive mind frame. If you hang with negative people, you're never going to believe in yourself and you're always going to be, you know, upset about how things are going. You know, um, anybody who's hunted with, with lots of people has ran across people that like, um, when it's sunny, it's too hot. You know, when it's raining, it's like miserable. It's always, there's always some sort of pain in the butt for the guy. And he's always got a pessimistic way about him. And, you know, he's always going to, you know, never build you up. He's always going to tell you how you're going to fail. Um, that might not sound like, like that's going to affect you, but it does. Oh yeah. uh, Negative people having them around all the time is just, it's, it's like a cancer. Oh, you're so right. Um, and it's almost like there's certain guys that they just are like that almost. So they have an excuse every time they go out, if they don't do well, you know, it's just like, uh, and there's a hundred, uh, different excuses for deer hunters. Like you said, it's too hot, it's too cold, it's too windy. You know, the moon's wrong. Um, uh, you know, the barometric pressure is too low or, you know, it's just like, you know, golly. You know when, you, when you, when you think about that now, both me and you are the opposite. You know, I've been around you enough to know that. And when it's raining, you, you know, we're looking at like, well, the deer should move in this or they should be doing yeah. this or, you know, yeah. it, it's snowing and it's cold. They're going to be in the pines. You know, you, you know, we're always looking for something, you know, well, it's, it's the wind chill is like 10 below. Oh, well, yeah, that, that, uh, that uh, leeward hill shouldn't have any wind. All the deer would go there. You know, yeah. we're always looking at the positive out of the negative and, uh, you, you know, when it's really hot. I'm hunting a water hole where other people are being, you know, you know, I can remember a hunt when I shot a big 14 pointer on a water hole. Probably a lot of people remember that hunt because it was a dramatic, when I shot that deer, it jumped way up in the air and landed in the middle of that water hole. Yeah. But that hunt, the guys I was hunting with all went home. It was too hot to hunt. It was 85 deer don't move in that. I'm like, well, I'll hunt a water hole. They'll probably come to a water hole. I killed that buck. One of my best bucks. You know, it's, it's because I believed in what I was doing and I always look for the positives. Yeah. Yeah. I always get in my mind, like those, those deer are doing something right now. You know, they gotta be doing something and, and being out there is half the battle, uh, of getting one, you know? Yeah. I mean, mean, there's, there's spots I have where like when it rains, it's like, all right, it's raining. Now I can get to this spot without leaves crunching. Yeah. There's spots where, Man, if I get into where I can kill him, where he moves in daylight, he's going to see me. Oh, wait. Look, there's going to be a 20-mile-an-hour wind tomorrow. There's going to be stuff blowing around. If I go slow, he ain't going to see me because all the stuff moving. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I'm looking for those um, positives out of the negatives that other people aren't looking for. Yep. Yeah, that's a great point. And I had I had another one on here, and I actually heard this one. Uh, I heard Mark, Mark Jury say it actually. And, and before like everybody kind of rolls their eyes, it's like, that guy's actually a really good person to listen to when it comes to advice. Cause he does like, whether it's on a game or a 
managed property or not, like he has a lot of giant deer he pulls back on and shoots, you know, it's all, you know, it's this, probably the same feeling for him, you know, it's that we all mm-hmm. have, and he's good at killing them. Um, and he, he told, he's, he was on a podcast, I think, but he said that he, he got this advice from an MLB pitcher, uh, you know, whenever they're under pressure, what do they do? And their, their advice to him was to try to slow the game down to where you try to slow your mind down, slow what's happening down, be a little more methodical and, um, make a conscious decision to just make everything a little bit slower when you're doing things. And it, so he said it really helps him to think about that whenever he's like freaking out. It's just like, slow down, slow the game down. So um, I do something similar like that when I, uh, when I got to get real close to, uh, to deer and I got to do it sly and quiet. Yep. I will, uh, um, you know, cause I, you know, I work a, uh, a very fast paced job. I got a fast paced mm-hmm. life. I'm always rushing and I get out to the woods and I'm usually, you know, I'm rushing out of work to get out there to get on time to get hunting and all that kind of crap. And I'll race out there. And when I get to within like a hundred yards or 50 yards, whatever it needs to be where I know it's, it's the time when I have to slow down. I don't just try and slow down because I can't do it. I find myself keep mm-hmm. speeding up because I'm already mm-hmm. in that fast mode. And maybe, you know, maybe this isn't everybody, but it is me and it's my, so there's probably some people that are like me. I literally, when I get to that mode, I stop and I'll just sit down for a little bit on a stump or something and just settle down and get into slow mode by sitting there. And then I can get up and Mm -hmm. go slow. Otherwise, I just keep trying to race too much. You know, just got to settle down. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard. It is hard to do. I mean, sometimes you don't, you know, sometimes when a, um, when a deer's coming in, it's like, so no, you're just a wreck, you know, <laughs> it doesn't work out. You know, it's like, God, oh, you know, to all of us today. And, and, uh, I'm usually a good example today. I wasn't today. I got to work a little later than I wanted to. I raced home and some things were going on and I, I, it took me too long to get to my spot. And yeah. I only had like a um, like an hour and a half or or so of shooting light, and I'm racing to get to my spot. I didn't slow down or anything. I went straight there. And the first thing I did when I got my sticks off is I clanked them when I pulled my my stick off. And I'm close yeah. to the, you know. And you're like, oh, geez, you know. Now maybe it made absolutely no difference, and it probably didn't. But those are the types of things I'm trying to avoid. And I went and did it because of that pushing too hard, too fast kind of thing. And even at, um, you know, an hour and a half or an hour and 45 minutes left, still usually the deer come through the last hour, you know? And uh, if I would have just taken that time to settle down, I probably wouldn't have done that. Yep. Yep. Been there many times. Um, anyway, that's kind of what all I had for building your confidence. I weirdly, it's got, gotten a lot of, uh, just seen some comments and stuff. People, you know, either frustrated with they've missed a deer or wounded a deer or, um, or they've just had a bad season. They're asking for motivation, I think is what the, how they worded it. So I thought this was a good topic for, for tonight. You got anything you want to work on for like next year, Dan? What do you mean? For personally, like, yeah, building confidence next year, kind of thing. 
I know you've struggled this year. Uh, I don't know what I can do. I think I got to uh, look at my equipment a little closer, um, look at my arrow selection a little closer, shoot a little more. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm shooting really well. Yeah. So, um, I do just kind of feel like I got some bad breaks, but, yeah. uh, I get my percentage of bad breaks where I know, um, some people are a little more deadly than me. I've, uh, you, you, you know, um, I wounded my share of deer over the years. Yeah. So, um, I'm constantly struggling with that. I, th- I think, uh, I think it's my vision or something. I, I just don't see that well of putting something on target. Um, but I'm trying. Yeah. That's all you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. Yeah. I, I, uh, Oh, you know, one thing I want to do, I want to get rid of that whole adjustable sight thing and get, uh, go back to pins. Yeah, I agree. I, I've never liked an adjustable sight. I've never used one, but I've always had three. I've been using one pins. for years and it seems to have been a problem since I started using it. It's at first it seemed so nice and stuff, but you really don't have time and focus to adjust it. And then if you'd adjust it, you get a little off or, yeah, or you get in the wrong spot where, you, you know, just like three pins to look at, you know, um, 20, 30, yep. 40, I think would be a lot easier to deal with. I, I don't like them just for the fact is like, um, for one, I'm always a nervous wreck that, cause I'm so rough on crap because most of the time it's where I'm hunting. Like I'm going to bump it and it's going to be off. Like I'm not going to notice that the knob got turned or something, you know, got, yeah, that, knob got caught on something. mine moves way too easy. Yeah. Um, and then secondly, uh, I, for a single pin side, I, I just don't like the idea of having to like, um, you know, being drawn back and one moves or something, five, six yards, something like that. And then having to kind of estimate yardages and pulled over and all that stuff. I just like to have my three pins and, um, I, I, in my mind, I've, I've shot them for so many years now. Like, I don't even think about them. Like, I just know, you know, the, the way they looks, I know, uh, you know, what, what pins, what, you know, some people have problems like finding them the 40 yard pin or finding the 30 yard pin, but I just don't have that problem. When it's uh, pins, I don't have a problem with it at all. Yeah. I hear people all the time say they picked the wrong pin or something. I'm like, how do you pick mm-hmm. the wrong pin? They're in a row. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, a buddy of mine who shoots uh, ASA professionally, he, he really recommends doing like yellow and green pins. I guess there's something to that. Like it, I guess it's not kind of as confusing to your mind. So uh, there's a little tip for you if you do struggle with that. Yellow and green pins and al- alternate those. I think he does like green, yellow, green. Mm. Um, I think red is a bad color. He said to um, to have in your red and orange and that kind of stuff. I don't know. Don't know this, if that's scientific or just his opinion, but um, uh, yeah, they they. I I have a I have two different sides. I got an adjustable on my bow right now, but it's a three pin adjustable, so I don't actually have to adjust it. Um, it's just more for. If I want to practice real far away, I can adjust it down to 80 yards if I want to. Um, I mean, I've had some bad luck with sights. Not the ones I have now. They're pretty good. They're B3 sights. But um, I've broken a lot of sights in my day, too, like pins and stuff. But I break everything. 
Yeah, I know. Me too. <laughs> my, yeah. My bow's been in the shop like four times now. I still my uh my uh, uh prime bow is uh I got the rest all screwed up on. So yeah, let me get that fixed. I've actually got that question a whole bunch is why you're not shooting your prime bow. And I always tell people, I think it's, I don't think it's the really the bow. I think it's more of the rest is broken on it. Yeah. They don't, um, they don't, you know, they build them tough, but uh, they didn't build the rest and the rest couldn't take a, you know, 25 foot drop out of a tree. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, I've had this, uh, I think it was like a trophy taker. I think it's called a trophy taker smackdown. I've had that thing for years. I love that rest. The another one is a Hamski is a real good durable one. They're all made a little bit better, but you also get what you pay for and that kind of stuff too. It's all that stuff's expensive. Those really high end rest, but they're real durable. Um, yeah, there's nothing more frustrating than something. Yeah, I got to get put together. I'm probably ticking off the guys at Prime. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is what it is. Yeah, well, it's like you you're not really a bow tech at all, so that's what's uh, paying the butt for you is every time you have something go wrong with your bow, you got to like kind of find someone to mess with it. Yeah, I'm so technical with machinery and stuff. It's, it's funny that I just, I've never gotten into bows. I just always just drop it off the yeah. shop and do it, you know? Yeah. Probably because it's hunting season. All I want to do is hunt, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know about 10 years ago, I kind of made it a point to learn everything and now I'm pretty su sufficient with it. And then I have a neighbor, my buddy lives down the road that is a, professional archer that can help me if i need need something in a pinch we just don't have a uh i shouldn't say this i'm going to i don't care but we just don't have a good bow shop near me at all like it's it's hard to the one that is close it's like weird hours and you can't get in there and you don't know sometimes you go in there and there's not even a bow person in there it's a gun slash bow shop so it just it was really maddie's bow it uh the string got cut on it one year and it was like pulling teeth to try to get someone to put a string on it for her. I don't know. So. You, you know, a lot of those bull shops, I hate to say this. I mean, I don't want to take anybody off, but you always run into yeah. just arrogant people running them or, or uh, they're snobby or they're in some sort of like competition against you or something. You know, it's like, I just hate it when people talk you down, you know, it's like, yeah. I just want to do, this is what I want to do. Why are you trying to, yeah, I I hundred percent know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's like you go in there, and you're like, I'm paying you to fix this for me. Like this isn't something you're not doing me a favor here or anything. Like this is your mm -hmm. job. Like like fix the dang thing so I can keep so I can pay you and get out of here. Uh, but yeah, I I have run into people like that uh, at bow shops. Though I, I mean, not not everybody. There's some good ones, obviously, but cer certain. Uh, I can, I got some people in my, my head. That's like, you go in there and they just like, look at you like you're an idiot for even bringing this thing in here kind of thing. Um, I was like, yeah, if we all were experts at this, you wouldn't even have a job, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, I'm going to mess with my setup too a little bit next year. Uh, just, I, I do every year a little bit, but, uh, anyway. All right. Let's uh, let's get into some questions. We got quite a few comments. Uh, if you guys want to call in, let me get that in into the into the chat. I'm gonna put that in. So, 
click on that link I just shared in the comment section. If you want to call in and ask questions, just know that you'll be live on YouTube. So um, make sure you're in an appropriate spot and all that and try not to drop any cuss words on here. Um, let's see here. Give me a second, everybody. Dan, I heard, I did, I know I saw one. You can answer real quick while I'm um, looking for questions. Is someone asked about if you're thinking about producing a smaller B stand? Yep. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> Thanks for giving me all that extra time there, Dan. <laughs> I, I, I mean, uh, I'm working on stuff. I've got a lot of stuff in the works that's pretty you know, far along in advance. I can't talk too much about it. Um, yeah. It's, it's pretty far down the road, but you know, um, when you're tweaking something to get it as light as you can or do this or that, it can take some time. Um, and I'm hunting on top of things, but, uh, I've got a, um, a really cool prototype stand right now that I really love. Um, that's really unique to the market. Um, you know, I can't say too much because as you know, that when I, when I started yeah. uh, machine, my stands, I mean, um, I tried to contract a, a stand manufacturer to make it for me and they copied me and tried to release before me and, you know, stole what I was doing basically. So I, I, uh, I'm pretty careful about letting things out what I'm working on because the R and D side of me always comes up with, uh, new stuff that are really on the market. So yep. I don't want people to know exactly what I'm working on, but I, I have several things I'm working on. I'd probably kick into gear when I stop hunting. Um, but I've been doing a little bit uh, every week moving forward. Um, I, I plan on having a stand done before the season even started. It just, uh, I keep wanting to make it better. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I think, in the long run, people will be more happy with it than yeah. just trying to get something You know, fast. most companies out there, uh, they throw their idea together and they throw it out in the market and uh, they don't care if it's a little off or anything else. They just want people to buy it. And then when they buy it, they take the feedback and then they correct it. Yeah. And, uh, I just, there's something that leaves a bad taste in my mouth about having uh, the um, people spending that kind of money be your, you're testing people. You yeah. Know what I mean? Right. Right. hundred percent. All right. We got a call in here. Hey, Ed, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Is it Ed? I don't yeah, know. Just, it's, just call okay. me Ed. It's, okay, it's Ed. Perfect. Yes. And that's actually my name. Okay. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Hi, Dan. I have Hi. a question for you guys. Um, Dan, you're from a different area. Josh, we're from the same state. You oh, live cool. at the other end of the state. Oh, okay. Um, I live up in uh, broken farm country. Do you ask permission every year and drive around and ask? And when do you ask? And when do you find the best time to ask permission? If you do, that's a better question for Josh. Cause I don't ask for permission much. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, I find myself doing it like in the summertime is when I usually will ask for, for permission. Um, and I will, and the reason I do it in the summertime, is like a lot of the farmers and stuff aren't as busy that time of year. Like right now they're all either been, you know, 
running around trying to get crops out of the fields. Now they're working on equipment and cleaning and all this other stuff. And then in the springtime, they're planting and they're, you know, spinning in circles and everything else. So in the summertime, usually whenever I'm kind of looking for spots to hunt, if I'm going to ask, uh, and I've, I've knocked on doors, I've wrote letters, I've, um, you know, face, look people up on Facebook, message them on Facebook, any way I can get a hold of them really. I think, I mean, your, your most ideal situation is like, if you're driving by a farm and you see a farmer out just kind of tinkering around and stopping by and talking, as long as they're not doing some obviously tasking, right. you know, you don't want to annoy him. Um, Dan, you hunt public ground, obviously, all the time. And up in your part of the woods, I see you hunt a lot of swamps and things. Do you guys have what what we were, would call or consider fish and wildlife areas that are, that is all they are. That's what you do, uh, rather than like the large chunks of forest and stuff. Do you have those? Well, uh, I don't know what you mean by that, but what we have is uh, just blocks of property that's owned by the state that's okay. DNR land, basically. Yeah. Um, and yeah. some of it is, uh, you know, swamp, some of it's hilly, some of it's uh, marsh, some of it's farmland. They even have land that they uh, rent the farmers, but it's still owned by the state, so you can hunt like farmland. We also have uh, they call CRP land, where they... Uh, give the far, uh, farmers or landowners, not necessarily farmers, but landowners, um, big tax breaks to make it open to hunting. Um, okay. So there's lots of opportunities for uh, public land in Wisconsin. Right. In, in Indiana, we have, of course, the large blocks like you're talking about are just pieces of raw land, but we have a lot of areas that the DNR actually has headquarters at and they, they make, food plots and land improvements and, mm -hmm. and it's very structured. They, they have specific areas to park and go. That's why I wondered if you had that up there. Thank you for your time. We had gentlemen. some of them, um, but they, they stopped uh, doing that because uh, a lot of the biologists want to bring the land back to the way it used to be kind of thing. Okay. So okay. Yeah. What, what part of, yeah. where in Indiana do you live specifically? I, I live North of Indianapolis. Um, about an hour um oh, yeah and i'm um, i'm just south of the wabash river yeah and, i grew up in wabash okay i i'm i'm actually uh, around uh, the kokomo area oh, okay cool yeah, yeah i went to yeah. i went to southwood high school oh okay so, cool yep yeah. so i, I i've i've uh, been from that part of the world too so yeah there's not very <laughs> many deer up here yeah. not, not in the middle of the state we're mostly nope. cornfields that's right. You got not much public land either in that area. So, no. all right, Ed. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Thank bye. You. All right. Um, we had a question over here in the comments. Uh, he said, "When it's this is from Chris Brown." He says, uh, "When it's colder than usual late season, do you guys stick to only afternoon hunts?" I do. Yeah, I pretty much do too. Um, I don't see much for deer movement in late season uh, in the mornings unless there's like a, a second rut going on or something. Uh, I have had people say that uh, they see more midday movement, like, uh, you, you know, that uh, 10 to 12 time frame. Um, but uh, I'm not seeing that where I'm at. I, I do run cameras, and if I saw a trend in the morning, I might try the mornings. But, um, yeah. 
Usually I don't. I ha I have done some uh, extreme cold morning hunts, but uh, uh, not many. Yeah. Um, same. I I honestly almost don't even think about going in the mornings for the most part in, in late season. You know, one of the things is 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 in that real cold weather. Here's what, here's what you got to think about: is those deer, especially your older bucks, get on a bed to food to bed movement and it's a very short window a lot of times they're bedding right next to their food they don't want to be seen they don't want to move far and the bucks especially have just gotten done with this long period of breeding where they haven't been eating and stuff and they've lost all their fat and they're they're right. in the worst shape of any deer on the on the uh, property all the other deer are in better shape so they're not moving much so um getting between them and bedding in the morning is is pretty tough in the evening, you're slipping up real close to where they're bedding and hunting them. And uh, uh, I see them bedding before daylight a lot, but I can slip in there in the evening. And you got snow on the ground in a lot of cases, and you could just you can find out where they're at, move in for the, you know in the evening mm -hmm. and kill them. Where it's not that easy in the morning. Right, right. All right. Chris had one more question. He says, "Do you guys look for ditches?" And southward facing slopes close to food in late season. What do you think about southward facing slopes, Dan? You hear people think, talk about that a lot here in late season. You know, when it's really cold, deer like south facing slopes. You know why? Because when it's why really it? cold, it's a north wind and it's a leeward side. Yeah. That's what I believe. Um, they're not sitting there on a south wind, you know, they're sitting there on a north or northerly wind, usually. Um, especially the bucks. But uh, yeah. what I'm looking for is not necessarily the the ditches or the um, leeward sides or whatever. I, I'm looking for the deer. Um, in some cases, I'm looking for the food. So I'll go to a food source and check it for sign. And then go, okay, where are the deer coming from? Then I'm looking. Is there a hill around here? Is there, is there a thicket around here? Is there a clear cut? Is there a ditch? Is there a point? Where are they coming from? And if there's tracks in the snow, it's pretty easy. In a lot of cases, um, I might just get in a little ways and watch from a distance on a downwind side. And, and if, um, if I see some movement, I move in to kill it. If I don't, I move further back and watch you know, from a distance or whatever, until I figure out where they're coming from and how they're moving. And then I move in. Yep. Um, and ditches and places like that's always a good place for deer to bed. You know, I don't know specifically what kind of ditch you're looking at, uh, but it's never, never a bad area for deer to be bedding in. Um, here's a question from Goomer22. Do you typically pack deer out when deep in public? And if not, what is your favorite method of getting a deer out, especially when alone? I'll start with this one. If you're if you're by yourself packing it out, if it's legal, it's not legal in every state. So you got to watch that. Um, but if you can get one out on your back, that's the way to go if you're by yourself. Uh, uh, next would probably, to me, it depends on the terrain. Like if I'm in kind of hilly stuff, I like to have a cart and it's not like, you know, wet or a bunch of layovers or something uh, that I'd rather have a sled 
and then in the marshes and stuff, I sleds are the way to go, which is probably why Dan, you probably prefer a sled, don't you? I use a sled uh, um, as my all-terrain vehicle because I can get it out of marsh and swamp and stuff. But I, I got a I got a cart, and uh, generally, if I got the sled on the cart, I I can take the cart across dry land to a point, and then the sled. You know, if there's any kind of snow, it's always the sled. But if uh, you know, uh, or really thick terrain, it's the sled. You know, but uh, dry land, a cart, nothing beats a cart. Yeah, now, right. For me, I mean, um, I have a really cool method for getting deer out, and it's so easy. You just call Eric. Yeah, I was gonna say that one down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a couple other buddies that are like that. <laughs> Gary. Yeah, you call Gary. I call Eric. <laughs> no, Gary calls me or Zank. <laughs> is what happens. Uh, I'm usually not around, so. But I've I've uh, helped my fair share on some of Gary's bucks. But anyway, no, it's all good. He's uh. You should be glad Eric helps me so much because then you don't have to ride all the way up here from Indiana. To help <laughs> but you know, honestly, right, hurry. Um, there's a lot of mistakes made by people by getting help. You gotta have people you trust. Yeah. You know, That's like uh, there's a there's a small group of people I would trust to tell that I shot a really big buck and I want to pull it out. Yeah. Because otherwise That's the whole area is ruined from then on. As yep. people talk. Yep. Um outside of like swamp, I could I've never packed a deer out of the swamp on my back. I could see where that would be a huge pain because you're you weigh 70, 80 pounds more than what you usually do, and your feet would you know be hard to get your feet out of the marsh and swamp and everything else. But man, it's hard to beat if you got a good frame pack. That's uh, as far as time and and energy wasted. That's a pretty hard method to beat. Um, I will say this though: if you if you have a if you don't have a good frame pack, it's probably a lot of lot of lot more work than you want to do. And, you don't uh, want to get swamp water inside of a deer. Yeah. Um, it will get bacteria in there and it'll rot real fast and it'll taint the hmm. meat. Even if it doesn't rot, it'll make your meat bad. Not, not necessarily bad that you can't eat it, but bad that it ain't going to taste that good. Yeah. So um, when I kill them in water, they go in the sled and they get pulled out to dry mm -hmm. land before they get even field dressed. Yep. You, you know, in some cases, if good they're really big or way back, or I have to field dress them. Uh, interval, I'll try to get them on the driest spot as possible, and then they go in the sled and, the, and they stay dry in the sled. Yep. Yep. Okay. Do you and Dan ever come to Tennessee and hunt public land? I have. I've never hunted Tennessee. Have you, Dan? Uh, I did a scouting workshop there, but I never hunted there. I was this close to going to Tennessee instead of Nebraska this year. Um, I was going to go down there and try to hunt velvet deer in that early season, but I ended up, um, ended up going to Nebraska, but I'd like to go down to Tennessee. There's always a lot of big deer that get killed down there too. I don't know if you've noticed that down there in Tennessee for some reason. Uh, it seems like every year I see like a couple of giants come out of Tennessee. I think last year there was like a, a deer that got shot down there that had like 30 scoreable points or something. Um, they thought maybe it was going to be close to uh, some type of a, one of those records. Um, hunt outdoors. He asked the same question. That may have been Ed. Okay, here's a question from Rob. Rob says, how do you know 
that other hunters haven't hunted or disturb your uh, hunting spots. Welcome to public land. Yeah. So for, for me, I mean, it has to do with sign. You can see sign of hunters. Um, not always, but usually you can see sign. I mean, um, if, you, if you're running into good deer sign, there's a good chance nobody's been there. Um, generally, if I'm running into other hunters, I feel like I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. Um, because I'm, t- I'm looking for spots that other people overlook. And usually if I'm looking at a spot, other hunters don't go in there. Now I say that with a grain of salt because we all run into other hunters. I mean, tonight I ran into another hunter. Um, but in hindsight, I did see hunter sign there. I just saw a lot of deer sign and it brought me in there anyway. So I took that risk. But, uh, you know, if you're in the right spots, you shouldn't be running into very many hunters. If you're running into a lot of hunters, you're probably not picking the kind of spots that you're going to be successful on big bucks. Yep. Yeah, for sure. You can tell, I mean, you know, if he's asking specifically, how do you, how do you tell you just, you know, pretty quick, if someone's been in the, in the area, you'll see signs of people who climb trees or, um, you know, certain branches broken off, stuff like that. It's all 95% of your people will have a beat trail to where they hunt. Yep. They will have, they will have sign that they're there. There'll be sign on the tree from them climbing it. There'll be, could be candy wrappers. There could be yep. crap laying there. There could be cut limbs. A lot of guys will cut a path so that they're not, you know, making noise on briars and stuff that are, that are trees where, you know, um, um, we preach going in mobile and going to new spots every time. That's us the majority of hunters do not do that. Yep. So you'll see sign of them. Yep. And it happens. Like I know, I know, you know, I've went to spots I scouted in the spring and had my stand on my back and got there. I'm like, yeah, someone else has been here. You know, it's not, none of our spots are, uh, yeah, but you, you usually know. see the sign. I mean, I, I remember a hunt yeah. earlier this year, I, we got it on video. I went to a spot and there's a, there's a trail camera there. Yep. I go to the exactly. next spot. And there's a, there's a climber marks in the tree I was going to go in. Yep. The next spot, and there's cut limbs. I ended up in a, going to another spot and finding a spot. So luckily yep. I had enough time to do that. But I could tell people had been there. In Swampy, oh, and Swampy, I see boot prints for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That happened to me. Uh, I could just remember a scenario like that in Wisconsin last year when I, was, I shot that buck last year in Wisconsin. And like the day before I shot it, I, I parked on one road and I kept running into sign of people, you know, and eventually I got to where I was only like 200 yards from the other road, you know, in a, in a different swamp. And I had to call a friend to come pick me up. Cause I was not lost, but I was like, there's no way I'm walking the two and a half miles. I'd walk back to the truck in the dark. You know, I just went walked, walked out to the other road and um, it happens. All right. Here's a question for you, Dan. Did you ever shoot instinct instinctively back in the eighties? Oh yeah. Yeah. I used a, I started out with, a um, with recurve. Um, and, uh, then I went to a compound with no sights and, uh, then eventually I got sights Then eventually I got a release, um, which might sound horrible, but back in those days, that's how people hunted. Yeah. 
I was actually pretty pretty good instinctively when I was younger. Um, I used to practice by shooting fallen leaves and stuff. I'd go rabbit hunting. I'd go squirrel hunting with the bowl. Uh, I would just, I was a killer. I'd kill everything. We ate everything, but mm-hmm. I did a lot of shooting. When I think of an, uh, instinctive people with a compound bow. The was it like the Fitzgeralds? Didn't they used to make a bunch of videos, Dan? The yeah, there's some of the first videos to come out. It's, it's true. Yeah, I remember. Pop. Yeah, I remember seeing them guys all shoot compounds with the just no sight, no nothing on it, just a rest and their fingers. And that was kind of even in the era whenever people weren't doing that. You know, people were using sights and and rest or sights and uh, releases, release aids. I, remember, I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe how much more accurate I got. Yeah when I got my first release and back in those days, releases were bulky and heavy. They were ball bearings and they had a heavy pull and still my accuracy increased dramatically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know, uh, (laughs) I don't know. I'll just bring it up because it's just interesting, but did you know John Eberhardt? He, he actually just started using a release, uh, last year. Really? He used used fingers up until last year. Compound. Compound. Yeah. Yeah, he always said that uh, he just was accurate enough with it at 20 yards, and he didn't like the fact that it could fail, and he just never switched to a release. I guess mm-hmm. he did. He, he finally did because um, of his, I guess his, you know, his tremor he has. I think it finally his hands and stuff got worse enough where he couldn't hold on to it. But I thought that was interesting. So it all still works if you can if you're good at it. All right. I'm scrolling through the comments here. We had a lot of questions. There's a lot tonight. more practice to be good instinctively. You got to yeah. shoot all the time. Like, yeah. uh, I used to be really good with recurve. I mean, I could just shoot anything. I'd just look at it. And when you pull the ball back, the arrow would just go there because they're so yep. used to shooting. And uh, what happens is if you put that down for a while, you can't pick it up and do that again. But like a compound that's got sights and a release, it's like picking up a 22. You just aim the sights and it, it hits yeah. where it did a month ago. Yeah. You just got you got to shoot enough so that you get your form, so that you got form for for when a deer shows up and stuff. But really, you can set the thing down for a week or two, pick it up, and you're still right there. Yeah. But you can't do that with like a um, a recurve bow. No. You have to shoot that a lot to stay good at it. Yeah, it's it's pretty comical. Like, because people will sh- pick up my longbow and try to shoot it. You know, it's like some whenever guys like pick that thing up and they're, it's like they just picked up a dang something they've never touched in their life you know they don't even know what to do with it and how to pull it back and it's a whole different animal i'll have to say um um we were at a workshop last year in uh, western wisconsin and uh the person who hosted us had some um they're recurves weren't they and yeah they're recurves picked one up off of his hook and started shooting and i couldn't believe how well you were shooting you're shooting bullseyes all the way across the room. I was like, what? Was somebody yeah, else? Shot, yeah. It was pretty much the same spec as what I shot. I, I, I What mine is. So I was pretty comfortable with it. But yeah, it, it was a good shooting bow. You're, I just you're better with that guy's bow than I am with my own compound. <laughs> well, I don't know. I Maybe. But uh I'm very good with them. Yes. I, but I'd also put a lot of time and effort into it. So if people would, you know, you know, you know, 
you would realize that it's not as surprising, but um, here's a question for you, Dan from Swamp Bucker. Has Dan ever used a portable tripod over the, uh, other than a stepladder? I think he's talking about when you're gun hunting. Um, gun or bow, I, I've used them. I've got oh, uh, really? yard right now. Uh, one of them was at Dave's and I took it back home because um, I kept getting busted in it where it was at. But uh was thinking about bringing it back out there for a spot where I don't have a tree, but I got I got some trees that uh, are tall enough to get us get that thing next to it. But uh they're very strangely shaped and you couldn't get a stand or a saddle or anything into them. So I was thinking about taking it back out to that. But I use it use them occasionally. Um they're pretty heavy to be portable, but they're portable yeah. enough. I mean, I, th I think the thing's probably like a I don't know, 150 pounds you put it on your shoulder and it's 10 feet long and you're like Ugh. but yeah. you can't sneak it in and set it up mobily and, and do that and i have done that and st still will do that it's just not the funnest thing in the world to do yeah hmm. i thought about yeah. trying to make a very lightweight one um and make it a little more collapsible but um i got a lot of stuff on my table yeah i would think the market the market for that would be pretty small too, for something like that. Yeah. You know, people that are using them tripods are probably just setting them up on. Have you ever shot a deer with a bow out of one of those things? Um, not that I recall. I know I've passed um, deer out of it. Um, yeah. I don't think I've ever shot one out of it. Yeah. I've shot, I shot him with a gun out of it because we, we used it as the stepladder a couple of years. Yeah. But it got really a pain in the ass to go on those um, drives because we literally would take all that equipment and carry it in, you know, um, like a mile and a half, maybe even further than that, and then carry it out into the cattails and set up on this point, then carry it out and set it up on that point and drive this and carry it over here and set And it made the uh, step ladder look a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> Have you, uh, someone asked Brian, he asked, uh, how many bucks would you have on the wall if you could have hunted with a gun the entire time? I have no idea. <laughs> Me either. A whole bunch. I think I'd I don't know, though. You know, I was thinking about it one day, and I think I would have a better looking wall if I had all the deer that I, uh, blown out opportunities on i think my wall would be three times the size yeah sure you know i i uh, laugh sometimes I, every now and then you'll run into somebody who'll say well you know you're just lucky if i you know if i got all the deer that i that i blew it on i'd, I'd have more deer than you well if i had all the deer i blew it on i'd have more than anybody yeah <laughs> right you don't, you don't get that far by not making some mistakes you know yeah um and that's i don't know i he had more had more context with your question, but like you probably most years shoot a deer with your bow. Like if, I mean, I don't know if you've had any more on the wall per se, cause you, you only get so many tags, you know? So, you know, I've been, right. I've been pretty, uh, um, laxing on killing stuff lately too. I just, uh, you know, if I feel like killing, I'll kill it. But, uh, I haven't been shooting a lot. You know, I had, uh, two opportunities at really big bucks this year and I blew both opportunities. Yeah. I'm, I'm just not really interested in shooting a nice deer. I mean, I might on a road trip or something, but 
I don't know. Right, around your house. Um, Seek asks, what's the smallest buck you guys have ever shoulder mounted? The smallest one. Smallest one. <laughs> Mine is, I I think uh, that one right there is probably my smallest one. It's like a hundred, hundred to probably a hundred inch eight pointer. But I shot it, I snuck up on him in his bed uh, with my bow and shot him. And I just liked it and I mounted it. I think I did a, I mounted my own one time and I, I just wanted to shoot one to mount. So right at the end of the season, I went out and shot a little eight pointer that was like 50 inches and mounted it. How'd that after, turn out? Oh, it, it looked like a giraffe. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up giving it away. I also, I, uh, I had, I, I think my, my smallest one I ever got mounted where I had somebody else mount it was, I think similar to yours, a hundred inch eight pointer. Yeah. And, um, I ended up, uh, the mount was so horrible. I ended up just giving it away too. Yep. Oh, that's funny. That's what we should do. We got to find that mount and give it, give it away as a door prize. You're the, you the one, the one deer Dan ever tried to mount. What made you want to mount your own deer, Dan? I don't know. I don't just, see. I don't see you doing that. Be, I guess. I just thought it'd be um, cool to mount deer or something like like just do your own tax term and do it for other people. This is when I was way younger. Yeah. And, uh, it just was not for me. Yeah, my uncle's a taxidermist, and he uh, he doesn't even hunt anymore because he's. I mean, you know, he he mounts like fifty deer a year, and he's just constantly getting stuff coming in during deer season, and then. You know, you got to take care of that stuff. I mean, you can't, you can't put it to the wayside. It's other people's, you know, deer and, um, he doesn't even hunt anymore. I mean, doesn't even deer hunt anymore. So, um, I said, well, it wouldn't be for me either. I don't think I'm patient enough for it either. Anyway, I think I, I think we got it to everybody's question. Some of them I skipped over guys, cause we have kind of talked about them in detail recently. So if you had some questions that didn't get answered, it's probably because, you know, uh, we, we already talked about it, uh, recently. Um, all right, we have one more we'll answer. Gary, just because I gave him a hard time earlier. Gary asks, what's the most memorable buck besides the Rome legend, Dan? Um, I guess uh, probably uh, the, the giant I snuck up on and crawled up on and shot at 20 yards with my shotgun. Oh, that's my biggest buck. Um, but there's a runner-up of, uh, I think everybody's heard that story too, but there's a runner-up being my first um, archery buck, which uh, back in those days, which would have been in the uh, 70s, um, y- you know, uh, I didn't know a lot about bow hunting. I didn't have a lot of mentors, so I just go out and look for deer and shoot arrows at them try and get one, you know, when I was a kid, you know. And, uh, yeah. Uh, I had gotten into a tree where I'd seen some deer go through and this deer came by and it was, um, I believe it was a seven point buck. And, uh, it was probably out about 50 or 60 arrows. I, I mean, it's 50 or 60 yards. Right. And, uh, I didn't have no pins or nothing. I was shooting instinctively. And I aimed over the top of it and just let one of them big giant aluminum logs launch. <laughs> and, uh, it was just like a lot of other hunts only this time. 
the arrow actually connected. <laughs> yeah. Hit it behind the shoulder and uh, it didn't have enough oomph that it would even go through a deer, even hidden in the chest cavity. Yeah. Just, uh, it went through one rib cage and bounced off the other and stayed inside. And the deer ran off into the woods. And um, um, I still remember that very vividly. And there's, there's a lot of uh, pretty big bucks that uh, I don't remember hardly at all, even hunting that I've shot. Um, and that one, I kind of remember every aspect of it. I think, uh, and you kind of look back, nothing ever really beats your first, you know, um, there's a magical thing about everything coming together. And, uh, you know, even when it's a stupid hunt, like I just described, but the fact that everything worked out and came together just, uh, seems so cool. And there was, yeah. uh, there was one other hunt that, uh, for whatever reason is locked in my memory that was in about the same time frame. And I don't know if it was before I shot that first buck or after, but it was right in that same time frame. But I had a, a real big eight pointer come out and walk right underneath me. And uh, it was like a five yard shot. And uh, I shot right over its back and it just looked up at me and flicked its tail and kept walking. <laughs> and that's <laughs> in my mind too. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah uh all right that's a good one to end on everybody if you uh like what we're doing make sure you hit the subscribe button and um we'll be on here again in a few days to to talk to everybody again so have a uh, good rest of your night and um good luck if you're hunting between now and then see you everybody good night everybody